0: To hold your Bible, lift it up, this is my Bible, I believe what it says I am, I can do what it says I can do, I am a believer and not a doubter, a doer, not just a hearer. Today I will learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. So what you just saw is a graphic illustration of what we talked about uh, last week during our Easter service, that Jesus paid the, be- the penalty. As you saw, uh, every stroke went into his body as he was hanging on the cross. Amen. Good to see you, Pastor uh, Simba and your beautiful wife. Good to see you, Cecil. Some family members here with us all the way from Australia, some of them. Welcome. And uh, so Jesus is on the cross and sin condemnation, sickness, poverty, every single one of these strokes went into his body. And he shouted, it is finished. And we said last week in the Greek, that is tetelestai, which means paid in full. So Jesus appeased God's wrath on the, on the cross. What that means is God is no longer angry at you or your sin because the price has been paid. Isn't that good news? The Bible says in 1 John 2, 2, it says Jesus is the propitiation of our sin. Not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Amen? The price was paid in full. So you don't need to struggle with the things. And I said something, but I'm going to have to take it back. I said last week was the easiest sermon any preacher could preach in the world. Boy, was I wrong. Because some people came up and they were saying, you know, the same struggles that Jesus went through, you will go through. And like Jesus came back on the third day, you will... No, Jesus struggled so that I don't have to struggle. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him on the cross. And with his stroke, with his stripes, we are healed. He says, he who you no sin became sin on the cross, so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. Amen? He says, he who was rich, Second Corinthians 8, 9, became poor, so that you and I, through his poverty, might become rich. Amen? He hung on the cross and took on the curse, for it is written... Cursed is any man who hangs on the tree so that the reason he took on the curse was so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon you. And we said, if you suffer the same things he suffered on the cross, you are in double jeopardy. You are paying, trying to pay for the same things that have already been paid for. Amen. Amen. You're struggling, the things that Jesus has already paid for. And this is a graphic illustration of what Jesus accomplished for you and me on the cross. Amen? Amen. Today we're moving right along, uh, still in the same breath. We're starting a brand new series called Our Victory in Christ. Someone say our victory. victory. In fact, personalize it. Say my victory victory. is in Christ. Christ. Let us go now to Romans chapter number 1. We're going to read from verse 15. Romans chapter number one, verse 15. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the saints at Rome and he says in verse 15, "For as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the what? The gospel. The, gospel. the what? The gospel. Come on, preach with me. The now watch what he says about the gospel. He says, "I'm ready to preach the gospel to you, that are at Rome also." Verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the what? The video that you just saw, that is the gospel. The gospel, that word gospel uh, in the Greek, when you translate it, it means almost. Someone say almost. Almost. Nearly. Someone say nearly. Nearly. It means nearly too good to be true. It means this news is so awesome, it's borderline fake news. It's on the edge of becoming unreal. That's how awesome this news is. That's what the word gospel means. In fact, before Jesus came, they did not use the word gospel because nothing warranted them using the word gospel. But when Jesus paid the price, the ultimate price on the cross, guess what? Now they could freely use the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the nearly too good to be true news that the sin The penalty, the poverty, the healing that was on your life, the the handwriting that was against you, Christ came and blotted it out and removed it. Now, not only can you walk in the fullness of your salvation, you can also fellowship with God without any sense of inferiority, condemnation, or guilt. That's That's the good news. And you didn't have to earn it. It was paid for you by Jesus on the cross. And he says, this is the gospel. And he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news. Why? For it is the power. What? The gospel is the power. It is when you hear the gospel, that power starts to flow in your life. I'm not talking spooky. I'm talking real power. I'm not talking crazy. I'm talking real power. That is the ability to get results. That, that, that is the ability to heal you, to make you walk in divine health, to make you live a prosperous life. I'm talking about real power. Real power starts to flow when you know what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. Real power starts to flow when you have heard the gospel. Listen, I could come here and say, if you're not saved, you're going to hell. That's the truth. But it's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus paid the price. Amen. And you don't have to go to hell. You can put your trust in him and you will be reconciled with the Father. Ah, so he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That word salvation in the Greek is sozo or soterio, which means forgiveness of sin. So Jesus paid for the forgiveness of sin. Amen? amen. I said Amen. amen. He paid for your healing. That's what that word sozo means. So salvation is not just limited to your born again experience. Yeah, that's right. Salvation means to be forgiven of your sins, to be healed, to be prospered, Amen. and also to be delivered. Amen. From the Greek word sozo. And all of these things begin to flow when you hear the Gospel. When you hear of the goodness of God. When you hear that God wants to be reconciled with you. In fact, that's what the Bible says in Romans 2 verse 4. It says it is the goodness. Someone say goodness. goodness. It, is, it says it is the goodness of God that brings or leads men to repentance. It is when men realize how good God is that they want to serve Him. Amen. Amen. You see how we have it twisted? We've been preaching the craziness of God. <laughs> no, it's the goodness of God that will lead men to repentance. That's right. It is when you know how good God is. It is when you know that God is good and that he is good all the time. Amen. It is when you know that in him there is no evil at all. That these things begin to flow in your life. Amen. That you want to serve him. Amen. It's the goodness of God that leads men to want to fellowship with him. So when we're preaching all kinds of stuff, man, it's God that puts sickness on you to try and get your attention. It's God that will lead you into a wilderness experience so he can get your attention. Man, God doesn't do that. Yeah, that's it. The Bible says in him there is no shadow of turning. Yep. God is not schizophrenic. Mm. He's not sometimes good, sometimes bad, sometimes in a bad mood. No, God is good and he is good all, all the time. The time. And when you catch that revelation, you want to serve him. Amen? So God loves you. That's the gospel. And when you receive that gospel, salvation begins to flow. Remember what it says in John 3, 16? For God so loved. Not judged. It says for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son that whosoever believes in their works, that whosoever works hard enough. Come on. That whosoever do everything that they are supposed to do, he knows you're not, you're not going to do it. That whosoever believes in him or puts his trust in him, that man will not perish, but he will have what? Everlasting or eternal life. And that phrase eternal life means zoe, the God kind of abundant living. It does not mean living forever. Everyone lives forever. But they live forever in different locations. Uh (laughs) Everyone lives forever. They just live forever. So salvation, eternal life, is not the quantity of days. It is the quality in your days. And eternal life starts today. It starts while you're here on earth. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. But you're gonna to have to believe in Him, not in you. Nah. Have you ever heard that thing says you must believe in yourself? <laughs> Man, that thing will send you to hell. <laughs> you must believe in Jesus. Yeah. Right. Let me show you why you shouldn't believe on yourself. Simeon, you wanna come up? And uh, 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 someone else, John, you wanna come up? Let me just do this with Simeon and John. John, come up. Come up to the front. John, I'm putting you on the spot. You, you, John. See, Simeon and John are are two guys who are living here on the earth. But here's the deal. Simeon is a holy cat. He's a holy guy. Simeon doesn't drink. He doesn't smoke. He doesn't run with those that do. Did that rhyme? (laughs) Simeon doesn't even drink coffee. This dude doesn't even drink sugar. This man is holy. And you know what that does? It puts me on it puts him on the chair. You want to stand on the chair? Stand on it. Stand on. Now John over here, come and stand right next to him. John is crazy. John is a bad man. John is in sin. Right? And then God shows up. So I'll play God. Not that I'm, you know, but I'm the one doing the illustration. So God shows up and he says, you know what? If you want to go to heaven, it's simple. All you have to do is touch the roof. Now reach out and touch the roof. Did he touch it? Did he touch it? So, Paul makes a conclusion in Romans 3.23. He says, All have sinned. And they've fallen short wow, of the what? Of the glory of God. Why? Because of your own works, you could never touch the roof. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, that's good. So, what he does is he brings hell. No, they tried in the Old Testament, they tried to touch the roof, man. They were trying to touch the roof, doing all the great things. And then when they've despaired and they would realized, you know what, we can't touch the roof, they started calling for a savior. Yeah. Jesus is only relevant to you when you realize, I have sinned Amen. and I've fallen short Amen. of God's standard. In Amen. fact, the Pharisees thought that they were on top of the roof. Sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, the Pharisees, I mean, them cats, them cats thought they were obeying all the commands. They thought they were sitting on top of the roof until Jesus came and broke it down to them. He said, oh no, you are just having a form of godliness. You are not even touching the roof. You know why? Mm. Because if you hate a brother, if you look at someone with hatred, you have already committed murder. So they had an outward form of godliness, but on the inside they were—they had hatred. They had all kinds of stuff. He says, "If you look at your neighbor's wife with a, a, a covetousness, you've already committed a, 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 a adultery." That's what Jesus says. He says, "Because the standard is so high, no man can reach it." In fact, God puts it like this. He says, "When you try in your own efforts to reach the standard," It is as filthy rags in my eyes. Oh, wow, wow. So, yeah, that's it. so Paul says, everyone has sinned and has fallen short of the glory of God. You know what that means? That means everyone needs a savior. And Jesus came, and not only did he, you know, stretch our hands so we can touch the roof. No, he put us all the way, not on top of the roof, all the way into heaven. Oh, yeah. The Bible says, now we are seated in heavenly places. Far above. Someone say far above. Oh, all oh, oh, principalities. Oh, In other words, far above the set standards. Not only did he pay the price in full, he overpaid the price. And when you realize this, you realize the value of what Jesus did on the cross. Why is that important? Let us go now to 1 John. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 1 John chapter number 4, verse 18. So if you're taking down notes, write this down. Only the gospel has the power to change people's lives. The gospel. Not the law, it's the gospel. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, to metanoia, to transformation. Amen? amen. I said amen. 1 John chapter number 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, there is no fear in agape. But perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment. He that fears is not made perfect in love. Verse 19. I want you to pay attention to this one. Look up. Look up, in fact. Let's read it from the projector. Watch what it says. It says we love him because he first loved us. Now, if you're reading in the original Greek, the word him was not there. It was added by the translators to try and make a point. But on this one, they should have left it out. It says, we love because he first loved us. Uh, uh. Any kind of love you will have stems from the fact that God first. Someone say first. First. So, if you're taking down notes, I want you to write this down. It always starts with God. It always starts with God. We love, our ability to love stems from the fact that God loved us first. And this is God's modus operanda for everything else that we do. Uh-huh. Good. It is when you know how much God loves you, do you have the ability to love others. Uh-huh. Have you ever heard the statement, hurt people hurt people? Because yeah. right? whatever you have received is the one you give out. Uh-huh. Amen? amen? I said Amen. amen. 1 John chapter number 2 from verse 3 to 5. Has anyone in here ever heard of the law of cause and effect? So if you're looking at this verse, what is the cause? The cause is God's love. Someone say God's God's love. The effect is us having the ability to love others. We have turned it around. We think only when we love others will God love us. so I must love others more so that God can love me. No, no, no. God already loves you, mm-hmm. and he loves you unconditionally. It's called agape. He's the only one that can love unconditionally. He doesn't wait for you, on you to get your act right for him to love you. Yeah. He just loves you because he's love. Mm-hmm. Not because you're lovable. Because yeah, right. <laughs> none of us is yeah. Yeah. lovable. Amen? Yeah. So, when you realize that I, I love because he loved me first, loving others becomes easy and doing everything else. Where did I tell you to go? First uh, John, chapter number? Okay. And hereby, we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Here's another reverse, uh, reverse propulsion. That's what I like to call it. Here's another thing. He says the only way you will know... That you know him is when you walk in love. So a lot of people think, okay, I want to know him, so I must now uh, start keeping his commandments. That's not what he's saying. He's saying the cause of you to keep his commandments is your intimate knowledge of who he really is. When you know the true nature of God, you will keep his commandments, watch this, as a consequence of your knowledge of God. Yeah, that's right. Uh. A lot of people think, you know, I want to know God, so I must keep his commandments. That's not what he's saying. If you're struggling to keep his commandments, your problem is not obedience. Your problem is knowledge. You don't know God. Watch what he says in the next verse. He breaks it down. Verse 4. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar. The truth is not in him. So he that says, I'm standing in the knowledge of God and does not have the fruit of keeping his commandments, he's not telling the truth. Why? Because if you really know God as a byproduct, you will keep his commandment. Amen. Next verse. It gets even better. But whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love perfected. Notice he didn't say, he who keepeth his word, has he trained himself to be obedient? No, it says he who keeps the word, it is because the love of God in him has been matured. That's what the word perfected means. It means he's growing in his revelation of God's love. That's why he walks in his word. And watch what he says right right after that. Hereby know we that we are in him. So if you're struggling to keep God's word, if you're struggling to keep his commandments, Your problem is not obedience. Your problem is knowledge. Your problem is you don't know how much God loves you. Because if you did, as a consequence of his love, revelation, you will begin to walk in victory. Amen? Amen. I said amen. Amen. Why? Because love is your fuel. Remember what he says in Galatians? He says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision availeth much. But faith, which works by? Love. How many of you would like your faith to work? Yep. He says your faith only works when you know how much God loves you. He says faith works by love. Now I drive a truck and it works by patrol. It wouldn't work very well if I poured water in it. And it's the same thing with faith. Faith won't work very much when you don't know how much you're loved. Because you will have to work extra hard. Have you ever noticed these people that don't know how much God loves them when they pray? It's like they're trying to convince a God who doesn't want them healed. (laughs) Like, Lord, please, please heal me, Lord. No, the dude already paid for your healing. The dude wants you healed more than you want to be healed. The dude wants you prospered more than you want to be prospered. God is not sitting in heaven working against you. He is for you. And when you catch that, when you catch the revelation of how much God loves you, your faith begins to work easily. It stops being a burden. You see where we've gotten it twisted? First uh, John chapter number 5 verse 3. First John chapter number 5 verse 3. Watch what it says. It says for this is the love of God. Someone say of God. Of God. Notice it didn't say this is the love for God. So he's not talking about your love for God. He's talking about God's love for you. He says this is the agape. This is the love of God when the revelation of how much God loves you has been received. Watch what it produces. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Amen. The only man that can walk perfect, the only man that can walk holy is a man who knows how much God loves him. Not a man who's trying to keep the commandments and the laws. Amen. Oh, thank you. Hallelujah. I remember I was in the youth. And, you know, I, was, I, was, I really wanted to have a better relationship with God. And, I, you know, the youth pastor came and he said, okay, some of you, I know you have challenges, you have things that are hindering you from, you know, having a good relationship with God. We're going to have a bonfire on Friday, youth day, and I want you to bring all that stuff and we're going to burn it. So my problem was hip-hop music. You know, I was listening to hip-hop with all kinds of words and, man, that thing was, was bad. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to take all the cassettes some of you don't know what cassettes are. It's, it's, it's an iPod. In the 90s. So I took all my cassettes, man. I took them and we burnt them. And we burnt them, man. I want, I want to get better, man. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this. I want, I want to stop listening to you. And you know what I was doing? Oh, this is awesome. All I was doing was going to my tree and gluing mangoes on it. I was not dealing with the root. The reason why I was not keeping the commandments had nothing to do with music. The reason why I did not have a good relationship with God had nothing to do with that. It had everything to do with my revelation of the gospel, my revelation of who God is to me. He wasn't a father at that time. He was an angry God looking out to get me. And that caused me not to walk in the commandments. And two weeks later, I started looking for my music again. You know why? Because trying to do it by the law is unsustainable. But when you do it by the finished work of the cross, when you do it by the gospel, it's sustainable. It's just who you are. Listen, I'm sitting in heavenly places far above this, so you know what that means? That means sin no longer has dominion over me. I've been elevated with Jesus and I'm sitting in heavenly places. My taste buds have changed. Ah, I don't enjoy sin anymore. And I remember, man, when I started reaching out and having a better relationship with God, I had less rules for myself. (laughs) And I started keeping God's word by accident than I had ever done when I was trying in my own effort, in my own strength. In fact, the only people that Jesus rebuked were people who were self-righteous. Yeah. Uh, amen. He never rebuked someone who came to him looking for mercy. But people who prayed and said, ah, You know, I'm not like these sinners, these publicans, you know. I pray three times a day. You know, I fast and I pay tithes of cumin and, you know, um, um, um. Whoever did that, Jesus rebuked. But we ever went and said, Lord, have mercy. Jesus extended grace and told them, Go and sin no more. Why should I go and sin no more? Because now you have a grace that's your fuel for living a holy life. Amen. Amen. You have received a gift that will produce a holy life. Amen. Man, I live a holy life and I don't do it because. I've, I walk around saying, you know, I want to be holy. I want to be holy. If they cut me in traffic, man, I sh- I'm not going to shout. I'm not going to shout. Today, I'm not going to shout. I'm no, no, no. It, it, God changed me on the inside when he showed me how much he loved me. When he showed me how much he paid for me, man, he changed me on the inside. You remember the story that Jesus gave of a, of a servant, the forgiven servant in, 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 in the New Testament? He says, this man owed his master 10,000 bags of gold. Someone say 10,000. Tell your neighbor I didn't say ten hundred, (laughs) and tell them I didn't say pieces. No, it didn't say ten thousand pieces of gold. (coughs) No, it said ten thousand bags of gold. This dude owed when I calculated it, he owed about twenty billion U.S. dollars to his master. So his master came and said, "Yeah." Sell him, sell his wife, sell his children, sell his dogs, his cats, uh, everything that has a name to him. I want you to sell it so that he can pay me. After that, throw him in prison if he falls short. And this man went to the master and cried down. He said, you know, knelt down and he cried. He said, Master, please forgive me. And the master extended mercy and grace. He says, you know what? All your debts are canceled immediately. $20 And this man, as he was walking home, he saw another dude who owed him about a hundred pieces. Someone say a hundred. A hundred pieces. hundred pieces of silver. No, not gold, silver. This dude owed him 100 times two rand coins. How much is that? He owed him 200 rand. And he had been forgiven 200 billion rand. And he, fa- he saw this man, he called him up. Hey! John, I was looking for you the whole month. Where's my 200 rand? And this man, like he did, knelt down and he said, please, please, please forgive me. And this dude said, no, 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 no. I'm going to sell you, your wife, your children, your cats, your rats, and your dogs, and I'm going to put you in prison. And he put him in prison. And the other servants saw it, and they were outraged. Why would they be outraged? This is a question to you. Because they expected his behavior to change based on what God had done for him. And that's the modest operanda when you catch a revelation. The problem with this dude was he didn't understand how much God had done for him. It was 20 billion. Everybody else could see it. Everybody else had a revelation of how much he had been forgiven except him. And he choked him for 200 rand when he had been forgiven 200 billion. In other words, what had happened in his life did not translate into fruit. And you know what Jesus said? The master called him back. He said, oh no, that 200 billion has now been reinstated. You know what you do when you don't translate the love of God into others? When you don't translate it into a fruit you reject what God has done for you. Oh, man, this is awesome. When you don't translate the generosity of God, see, because he gave to you first. When you don't translate it into being generous, what you are doing is rejecting more of his generosity. Because whatever God did for you should translate into a fruit of the same. Because it always starts with God. We love because He loved us first. We give because He gave us first. And when you walk around with that revelation, listen, people don't have a generosity problem. They have a revelation problem. Ooh, that's good. Pe- people don't have a sin problem. They have a revelation problem. They don't realize that... They are the righteousness of Christ, of God in Christ. Mm, that's good. Someone shout, I am. I am. The righteousness of God in Christ. in Christ. Watch what he says right after this. He says, for this is the love of God. This is agape. It's translated into keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. If you're reading in the King James Bible or New King James Bible, it says his, his, his commandments are not burdensome. You know, I was in the U.S. for a minister's conference. Half the ministers that were there were talking about, you know, I'm burnt, I'm burnt out serving the Lord. That's an oxymoron. Those two can't go together. They, they-, they can't. Burnout out and serving God, they can't. You know why? Because when you have agape, a revelation of agape, his commandments are not burdensome. In fact, let's go to... Uh, First Corinthians, chapter number 15, verse 10. Thank you, Jesus. You're preaching good. I receive that. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 15, verse 10. Man, when you know how much God loves you, there are no burnouts. Because yeah. love is your fuel for serving him. Uh, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you please give it to me in the New Living Translation, please? Thank you, Jesus. Watch what he says. This is the Apostle Paul writing. He says, but whatever I am now, it is all because... Read that next word. God. No, no, just one word. <laughs> Man, you should be able to say that about yourself. Whatever I am now is all because... Because it starts with God. Whatever I am now is all because God... Poured out his what? Special. Someone says special. Yes. He says God poured out his special favor yes. on me. This is good. This is the apostle Paul writing. Yes. And I know some of you are already thinking, Oh man, Paul Jaco. Yeah. You had the special favor of God oh. poured on you. Oh. No, the Bible says God is not a respecter of persons. So if he poured a special favor on Paul, if you do the math, it means God has poured a special favor on you. The only difference is Paul knows it. Hunt your neighbor and ask them, do you? That's the only difference. God has poured a special favor on everybody. But only a few will pull out their journals and write, God has poured his special favor on me. You on me. Uh, yeah. Have you ever heard the phrase, uh, 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 John, the disciple whom Jesus loved? Have you ever heard that phrase in the Bible? Man, when I read that, I used to think, oh man, Jesus used to, and theologians think that too, which is a sad story. I used to think, man, oh... Oh, John was the, the, the disciple that Jesus preferred above everybody. Until I realized that phrase only appears in the book of John. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It doesn't appear anywhere else. Yeah. It's John writing and it says, Tephara, the disciple whom Jesus loves. He says, Tafara, the one who God has poured his special favor on. Amen. What is that? He's showing you that he has a revelation of how much God loved him. Now watch what that translates into. He says, "A special favor was poured on me, and it was not poured without results. What kind of results? For I have worked harder than any of the apostles. Now this cast that I met in the U.S. were saying they were burnt out. Uh, 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 you know, in the church, bent out serving God in the church, they were bent out from playing a guitar once every Sunday (laughs) for less than an hour. (laughs) Now this cat here, who's saying, I outworked all the other apostles, he would walk barefoot from city to city to preach the gospel, plant churches, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, and then write the Bible. And he never got burnt out. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Why? Because his fuel was God's love poured on him. Uh, Man, that's awesome. And that can be your fuel too. Amen. We receive it. Watch what he translated into. He says, "For I've worked harder than any of the other apostles. Yet it was not I." but God who was working through me by his grace. Man, when you realize how much God loves you and you start letting him flow through you, it's not even you doing the stuff. It's God who is doing the stuff through you. For it is not longer I that lives, but Christ lives through me. Man, when you realize it all comes from him, you're not going to have a problem manifesting it as fruit. You just let it live through you. I remember I was traveling to Denver in the U.S., and uh, the family that had, uh, you know, invited me to host me, when I got there, they had a special, you know, uh, room for me set out in a totally uh, different um, section of the house. You know, so I had my own bedroom, I had my own bath, and so on and so forth. When I walked into the room, man, this was a beautiful five-star treatment. They had a little basket with uh, all kinds of goodies in there—towels, snacks, uh, uh, new stuff, toothbrush. I mean, I brought my own stuff, but it's just—it's it's good getting some, you know, some stuff. <laughs> so I walked in and I, I see all this stuff, man. And and right next to that stuff was an envelope with a card in it. And when I took the envelope and opened the card, there was about a thousand U.S. dollars in it. Ooh, that was good. <laughs> in it. And then I took that money and put it in my wallet. It was now my money, but it's still God's money. And how many of you realize when I touched down in the U.S., I didn't have that money? And God put it in my wallet. So I'm sitting at Andrew Womack's uh, uh, conference, and he's talking about his believing God for $83 U.S. million between now and August so that they can build the new sanctuary. That will take about 3,500 people. So God says to me, give a portion of that cash to that. How many of you know that it would have been foolish for me to say, Lord, this is my (laughs) grant.
1: You'd have said, dude,
0: when you came here, you had nothing. And it's the same thing. People don't have a problem with generosity. Mm. They just don't. They have a problem of recognizing the source. That's the only problem. I had, two, I had one of two choices. To think that, that 1,000 came because I'm smart. <laughs> but it didn't. Because <laughs> I'm not that smart. Uh. Or, man, I got this because God is my source. Amen. Awesome. And he gave it to me. And if he tells me to take a portion of it and give it away, guess what? I'm not losing anything because guess what? I started with N-O-T-H-Triple-I-N-G. Nothing. And all he's saying is, it starts with me. Let's let's close with Luke 7. Luke 7, is this helping you? And it all starts with God. People don't have a worship problem. Say, Pastor T, why don't you have a worship seminar so you can teach people how to raise their hands? No, people don't have a worship problem. People have a revelation problem. Man, when you realize what God did for you, I realize all the time. Man, I just, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't go to a seminar for it. I didn't go to any training. I just realized, oh, man, he's awesome. And my hands go up by themselves. Man, I go all in by myself. I don't need nobody to preach me into it. You know why? Because I have enough revelation of what he That's did right. for me. Uh, right. That's good. When you catch a revelation of the gospel, yeah, God is good. fruit will flow out of you. Uh, look, Luke chapter number 7, 36, verse 36. In the New King James, Luke chapter number 6, uh, 7, 36. Watch what he says. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. This is Jesus, right? Verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. She was a what? Sinner. Watch what happened. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask with fragrant oil. Now, if you read, uh, I think it's John or, or Matthew's rendition of the same story, it says this alabaster oil or perfume was worth a year's, uh, an annual wage. Uh, yeah. a, a year's wages. Yeah. Uh. So whatever, uh, however you get paid, whatever you earn in a year, that's how much it was worth. Just uh. hunt your neighbor and say, man. That a lot <laughs> man. <laughs> oh, man. You know, the most expensive bottle of perfume we have right now yeah. is about what? 2000 3000 Man, this thing was worth hundreds of thousands. Uh, Whatever you earn in a year, that's how much this thing was worth. So she brought it to Jesus. Now watch what happened. Next verse. And he stood at his feet and uh, behind him, weeping. She began to wash his feet with the tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Next verse. Now when the Pharisee, someone say Pharisee. There's always a Pharisee. There's always a Pharisee. There's always someone who's critical. There's always someone when everybody's praying, everybody. Why is she gonna act like that? Why is she gonna she gotta do all of that? Is all of that necessary? Why is she got to she's doing way too much? And there's always someone standing on the sideline saying, man, she's doing the most. The Pharisees always spectate and comment. Amen. He said, the Pharisee who had invited him saw this and spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he was a prophet, if he were a prophet, would know. And what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a what? Sinner. So he didn't believe he was a sinner. But he was. Because Romans 3.23, all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Next verse. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Next verse. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. Next verse. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Debt cancellation for both of them. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? And before you answer, let me tell you. We all are the ones who owed 500 denarii. It's only that the other cat had a revelation of 50 denarii. Because he thought he could pay for the 450. I mean, he's standing there saying, this woman is a sinner. What are you? Because Jesus, if Jesus hasn't forgiven you, you is a sinner. Because all forgiveness comes from Jesus. Now, Who would you think would love the the Lord the most? The one with the 500 or the one with the 50? Why? Because he has a revelation of a bigger debt. And that's what he said. Next verse. Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave the more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Man, if you want to love God more, if you want to keep his commandments, if you want to walk in all these things, generosity and so on and so forth, what you should work on is a revelation of what he has already done for you. It's called the finished work of the cross. When you don't have a revelation of what God is doing in your life, man, no sermon can transform you. This is why the Apostle Paul prayed. He said, I pray that they may know the love of God which surpasses knowledge. It can only be received by revelation. You can't figure it out. I know that God loves me. Someone shout, God loves me. Unconditionally. Now push the person next to you and say, and there ain't nothing you can do about it. Man, when you know that, you are on your way up. Amen. When you know that, you are on your way to pr- pr- producing from the abundance of that revelation, the fruit of the Spirit. Ah. You just start seeing yourself walking in gentleness. Where did that come from? Ah. I used to be the most rudest person in the earth. Where did that come from? I used to just be unkind and uncouth. Where did that come from? No, I know how much God loves me. Because ah. we love because He first, he first loved us. We forgive because He first forgave us. We are generous because He first When I was looking at my itinerary, I was like, it's God who made me breathe. It's God who made me check in without hassles. It's God who who gave me a 10-year visa. It's God who made me receive favor with the immigration officials. It's God who made me go and enjoy the city uh, uh, with a healthy body. It's God who's making me breathe right now that there's a tiny chemical difference between someone who's sane and someone who's totally retarded. It's God who's keeping me insane. It is God. It is God. It is God. And because it's God, guess what? I just can't help it but walk in these things. That's the revelation that the church did not have. Uh, amen. Man, for many, many years, people have tried to motivate people using the fear of poverty to give. You know, you if you don't give, you'll be poor. That's not even remotely <laughs> a motivation. My motivation is, man, this dude has shown his love for me. This dude is my source. And because of that, I can't help it but just produce the same. The servants were outraged. Even the carnal servants, because they expected him to act better than that. say, so "You know better than that. We were there when the master forgave you of 20 billion. You should act better than that. And the master called him back actually, and said, "You know what? I reinstate the debt. What does that mean? That means whenever you don't produce as fruit that which God has given you, you're literally rejecting it. Amen? Amen. If you listen to the message of grace and you think this is a license to sin, you need to get born again. (laughs) (laughs) Amen? Amen. Man, when you hear the message that Jesus paid for you and sin is no longer a problem, that should not motivate you to want to sin. It should motivate you to want to live holy. You know why? Because it changes the desires of your heart. Is this good? Now watch what happens. Next verse. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. You know why? Because, Simon, you are a Pharisee. You you, you were saving yourself. You didn't need a savior. You were all right. (laughs) You were alright. And that was your problem. Your problem was, man, you should never be at a place where you don't need God. I was sharing with someone, and they said, you know, Pastor T, I got a job. I got a new job, and this job I know nothing about. I said that's the best place to be. That's right. You know why? Because you need God. Because if you are in a job where you can just do it while you're sleeping, man, just autopilot, just, just do it by yourself, then you don't need God. You can that's do right. it by yourself. Some of you are applying jobs that your CV can get you. Guess what? You don't need God. Yeah. You need to start applying for things that are beyond your CV. Because then, now you need God. Now you need God's special favor. Man, some of you need radical things. Man, I was sitting in that uh, TBN studio, and I was sitting recording the first episode. Man, that place is cold. In fact, the night before, I couldn't sleep. I slept at about 3 a.m. praying, Lord, Lord, I I need you. I need you. I'm going in there. I need you. And it didn't help that as I walked in, they said, yo, man, congratulations. You're going to be speaking to 10 million people every week. (laughs) I said, what? (laughs) I said, 10 million. Man, I could feel it just. (sighs) And I said, Lord, you need, I, I need you now. And man, you need to live your life at a place where you're constantly saying, Lord, I need you. I need you to carry this burden. And this was the difference between the Pharisee and this woman. The Pharisee was not forgiven, but he had no spiritual perception to realize he needed a Savior. Amen? Next verse. You didn't do any of this to me. You didn't give me water. You, 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 you didn't wash my feet with your tears. You didn't wipe them with the hair on your head. I wonder if he had hair, but, you know, next verse. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came. What is he talking about? This woman has not stopped worshiping me. This woman is in a constant state of worship. Why? Because she realizes she needs Jesus. Next verse. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Next verse. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves what? Little. The one who has a little revelation of how much they have been forgiven. They will just be lukewarm. Look look lukewarm? Look are yeah, towards cold. are <laughs> <Yeah>, towards cold. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever wondered why people don't love much? It is because they lack revelation. Have you ever wondered why people don't worship? It's not because we're singing boring songs. No, no, no. Sometimes you're flowing in the anointing because the words, man. The words are ministering to you, but someone is just standing there, just cold, just being indifferent. Just, just, it's a lack of revelation. And no one, man, we didn't go to a school where they said, you know, at this point of the song you kneel down we didn't go to the school. As a, at this point of the song, you start crying. You get emotional. No, we didn't go to that. It is when you have a revelation that positions you to be a place where you are vulnerable with God in your worship. I mean, this could have been embarrassing. Can you imagine someone walking up to Jesus and washing his feet? They were not clean feet. I mean, these dudes used to walk a lot. They're not clean feet, man. She's, and she's taking a year's Wage. Wage. A worth of uh, a, a perfume and she's using it. There are lots of people criticizing it. But she had a revelation of the gospel. She had a revelation of the cross and how much she had been forgiven. And it translated into a totally different life. Why don't you stand on your feet? Was that good? Thank you, Jesus. Someone shout, Jesus. He has forgiven me of all my sins. Therefore, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Someone shout, I receive his prosperity. For when he was on the cross, he became poor, so that me, through his poverty, might receive prosperity. Uh, Today, I receive the blessing. I am blessed. Because he who hung on the tree became a curse. For it is written, Cursed is any man who hangs on the tree. And he did it so that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. And I qualify Shout, he was, he was wounded for my transgressions, transgression. bruised, bruised for my iniquities. my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace, my peace was upon, him, was upon and him, and with his stripes, with his stripes I, am I am healed. Someone shout, all of my sin, all of my sin. past, past. Present, present, and future has been paid, been paid for by Jesus, by Jesus on, the on the cross. Therefore, Therefore it is finished. It is I, will no I will no longer live, life live my life, my life, under, life. The guilt under the guilt and the condemnation, and the condemnation of my mistakes, of my mistakes. Because, it because it has been paid for. I will no longer, will no longer be, inferior be inferior or walk around with a, with a sense of guilt, I will now, I will now walk boldly walk bold. into the throne, the throne room of grace to obtain help, obtain help. in times of need. Come on, just thank him, him for that. Thank you. thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank thank you Jesus, thank you. that you did it for me. Thank you, Lord. That we can only love because you first, 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 first loved us. It is the revelation of your grace that will cause us to walk boldly in the things that you have commanded us to walk in. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone say "Are you for these, your children. Those who are living a life of fear and worry. Father, we thank you right now that you have not given us a spirit of fear but of love, power and a sound mind and as such we release the peace of God which surpasses all understanding the peace which goes beyond what we can figure out with our own natural minds Father we thank you that it is released right now in the name of Jesus we are afraid and Lord we thank you that as we go You've loosed your angels to go with us, to protect us, to lead us, to guide us, and to direct us. A special favor is upon all of us. A grace. We are the loved of God. And as we go out, we will manifest that. In Jesus' name, we pray. And someone shouted, Amen. May this be the best week of your life so far. Amen. We love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you.